Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth. I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. So God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant I have established between me and all life on the earth. You may be seated. Well, thank you, Gabe and worship team. Uh, We're glad that you're here with us this morning. Welcome. I'm Steve. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Friends, and it's great to have you here today as we continue our series on simple ingredients. And I got to admit to you, I was just a little interested as as we had picked out this scripture to read today and thinking about Noah, knowing what's going on in North Carolina and South Carolina and and the storms this past week as watching the news, watching the Weather Channel, and I know been praying for folks. And one of the questions that always comes up to us is how can we help? And I can tell you we do have uh, uh, churches Eastern Region Churches in North Carolina. We, our executive director was in contact with them before the storm, and we will be finding out if there's any way we can help, if our disaster service can be involved. You know, the help isn't just always, a lot of the help is immediate, and it's there, but it's the ongoing, long-term issues that we deal with. And so, uh, be praying for them and continue to lift them up as we will later as we get through uh, Uh, later in the service. But today, we are here again for Simple Ingredients. Last week, we talked about creation and being created in God's image as being really the the first foundational understanding that as Christians that we grasp that is basically a, a backbone to what we believe. And that word creation is one that we understand very well. And uh, it's amazing that here in Chapter 9 that Gabe just read to us. Nine chapters later, we're seeing God talk to Noah after he had wiped out virtually all living life. If this was a three-hour movie, what's happened in those first nine chapters is the first five minutes. It really is short. It's quick. And it's amazing how it happened. How, how How could you go from being created in God's image from living in what we know as the Garden of Eden, a beautiful garden planted by God. The mists came up from the ground to water that garden. And we see in there everything that was needed for man was provided, all the plants, all the food. 
a relationship with God. In fact, reading through those first three chapters, we, we get the understanding that somehow in some form, God actually takes on a form and, and walks into the garden. Can you imagine the relationship between God and his creation? Everything is perfect. Everything is wonderful. In chapters one and two of Genesis. And amazingly enough, we read in chapter five of Ge- 6 of Genesis, verse 5, we read this. The Lord God saw the great wickedness of the human race, how great the wickedness of the human race had become on earth. And the very every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. Get that. It says, then the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. That beautiful relationship that man had and mankind had with God was severed. It was destroyed. You know, you've maybe been in those type of situations where you've had a close relationship with somebody. You, you, you spent time together, you, you did things together, you had common goals, and, and something comes up that severs that relationship. Sometimes it's, it's money, <laughs> you fight over money, or, or another love, or something like that that breaks that relationship, and you understand what it's like to have a relationship that you thought was precious, a relationship you thought was great. And it's destroyed. Well, what happened? What happened? Well, we, we, we know what happened. Most of us, even if you haven't grown up in church, you've heard of Adam and Eve and, and how they sinned and how they sinned by disobeying God. And they disobeyed God in one area. The fruit. God gave one commandment, just, just one simple commandment. Don't eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. All the rest you can have. Every plant that he put in, every tree that he put in was food for man. And he said, just don't eat, just don't eat that one. Now, I don't know about you, but this, this really frustrates me. <laughs> Losing all that good stuff over a piece of fruit. Now, if God had said, don't touch the nachos, I would understand. You know, if he said you could have everything on the table, but the nachos are mine, I don't, you know, how do you, how do you deal with that temptation? You know, I got to have my nachos. But fruit, really? Is that really, is it really worth it? But you know, it wasn't just the fruit. Actually, it's amazing that Satan says to Eve in chapter 3, verse 5, he says, you know, if you eat of this, God knows you will be like him. What did we talk about last week? God says, let us make man in our image. Let us make man in our likeness. And here is Satan saying, hey, you know what? If you, if you eat of this, you're going to be like God. Unfortunately, they were already like God. The one thing they found out was that they only knew good. And now they knew good and they knew evil. And so it starts from there. And of course, we know that Cain murdered Abel. And mankind just went downward from there, spiraling into what chapter 6 of Genesis say, every inclination of their heart was toward evil. Can you imagine that? All the time, it says. Every inclination, all the time, was nothing but evil in that society. And so God 
sends the flood. Everybody's destroyed except who is on the ark, including the animals, all creatures. And then we read this scripture that Gabe read to us earlier. As, as Noah emerges from the ark, he makes sacrifices to God. God gives the same, some of the same commandments that he gave to, Ab- to um, Adam and Eve. He said, be fruitful and multiply. Take care of the earth. And then he says this to Noah, which we read earlier. I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you. And every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth. I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I've set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. And of course, we still see the rainbow and the signs of that covenant today. But in here, I don't know if you noticed, there was bolded. In fact, in this verse, it's three times in that passage. Five times we see this word covenant. And today, that is our our second word, covenant. We've been created in God's image. God is creator. And now God issues a covenant. What's a covenant? You know, we don't have a whole lot of times we use the words covenant today in our society, I guess. Uh, a few times, um, I use it every, every wedding that I perform. We remind our, the, the man and the woman who've come together that this is a covenant relationship. You are bringing all that you have, you are bringing all that you are, and you are, you are coming together, and as the Bible says in Genesis, in the creation passage, that the man shall leave his mother and, the, and shall join to his wife, and they shall become one. And in covenant, we give to each other. That's a human-to-human, man-to-man, mankind-to-mankind covenant. Another covenant that I run into and used to run into a lot more when I was in the business world is what we call financial covenant. If you if you're own a business and you want to go out and get a loan, the bank will say, we'll give you a loan, but you have to enter into certain covenants. And they're financial ratios, and they say, you know, you have to maintain a certain level of profitability, or you have to maintain a certain level of cash, or you can't ma- maintain any more debt than this. But it's a covenant. They says, we will give you what we have in and considering the promises that you're going to make and that you're going to keep. And so we have the two sides to the covenant. But the covenant, and so God here begins with a covenant. It's a divine human covenant. It's God speaking to humans, not human to human. And we'll see that going forward as we look at covenants. So one definition of covenants that I think might help today, a definition of covenant, is a solemn commitment guaranteeing promises or obligations Undertaking by one or both of covenant parties. Easy for me to say. A solemn commitment guaranteeing promises or obligations undertaking by one or both of the covenant 
covenanting parties. These are the terms that are going to establish the relationship that we have. When we enter into that marriage, it's for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, in losing seasons and in winning seasons. <laughs> All of those things. In business, it's we enter into this, this covenant relationship. And we establish the terms. I will give you the money, but you need to hold these financial ratios and you need to maintain those. those that forms the basis for our relationships. And we see right here, in this case with Noah, God is forming the basis of a relationship that's going to go forward. It's going to be unconditional. It's going to be unilateral. It's going to um, define his relationship going forward. And it's undertaken by just him. It's just God. He doesn't need our approval with the covenants that he enters with us. He doesn't need to, to have a, um, a, a bargaining session with us beforehand, a hearing. When God speaks, when God speaks his covenants, they are true and he is faithful to them. And his covenant here is I will not again send a flood to destroy the earth. It's a promise that he makes with Noah. It's a promise that he makes with Noah's family. It's a promise that he makes with all living creatures and everybody to come. It is an eternal covenant. It is something that we can count on even today. And we see God's love for his people. We see God's care for his people. And they say, well, wait a minute. He just wiped out a lot of people. You know, when Adam sinned, God said, you take that, that fruit we blame the apple a lot of times. I think it's just because you don't have to peel it. It's easy to take off a tree and bite. <laughs> but he says, you take that fruit and you bite it, eat it, you surely will die. We are all going to die anyway. Death was our destiny. Death was their destiny. And God reached out. And he pulled out Noah and he pulled out his family. And he said, I'm going to love you and show my covenant through you. Even though Noah had the sin in his life, unlike Adam and Eve, God loves us despite. Kind of reminds me again of my friend Calvin and Calvin and Hobbes. What's it say there? Love the sinner, hate the sin. <laughs> Parents, here's the clue. If you come home from work and uh, you see your son or daughter with a sign that says, love the sinner, hate the sin, uh, the response usually is, uh-oh, <laughs> what's going on here? <laughs> and we look at that and we say, God, yes, God in that way, he, he loves his people. He, although although he hates the sin, although his holiness says, I cannot really look at sin, he loves his creation. He loves those that have been created in his image. And we reach out to God and we say, God, love me, even though I'm sinful. And so God starts dealing with sinful people. You know, he didn't need to. God could have ended it there. In fact, it's interesting. If you read through the story of Noah, it says there in chapter 6 that Noah walked with God. Noah walked with God. 
In, in chapter 5 of Genesis, there's a litany of, of genealogies going forward. There's only one person, other person, that said walked with God. His name was Enoch. You know what it says about him? It says he lived 365 years, he walked with God, and then he disappeared. He was no more. God took him. He could have done the same thing to Noah. He could have looked down here and said, the man, they're evil, the man, the, the mankind is totally, 100% all the time, uh, thinking towards evil, and their actions are evil, and so I'm just going to wipe him out, I'm going to take Noah, he's walked with me, just like I did Enoch, I'm going to bring him up, and we can just be done with this whole thing. But he says, no, I love my creation too much to do that. And he made a public statement. He made a public statement. He put it in writing when he put that rainbow in the sky. You can count on it as trustworthy. The man was continued to be sinful, but God did not stop in his pursuit of man. In fact, we see in Genesis chapter 12, God shows up again. This time it's to a man named Abram. And he says this, go from your country your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed for you, through you. Although the Bible does not use the word covenant here. This is another covenant, a divine human covenant that God is making with Abraham. And he ratifies it a few chapters later in a ceremony. And he says this, uh, one, here's your part, you go. That's pretty easy, right? So all you got to do is go. That's your part. And he says, here's my part. My part is I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a great name. I'm, you're going to be a blessing. I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to curse those who curse you. And finally he says, all peoples of the earth. Again, a universal covenant here. All peoples of the earth will be blessed by you. God is starting. Clear back in the beginning of Genesis, clear back in the very early parts of the story, God is starting his wild pursuit of mankind. God is starting to pursue those who have walked away from him. God is starting to pursue those that he's created in his image that have ignored him, that have despised him, God begins his pursuit of man. I don't know, has anybody else been watching TV lately and seen the commercial for the new TV show, God Friended Me? God Friended Me. Uh, I, I thought of that as I was thinking about this because don't we all want God to friend us? And actually, I, I went online this week, and, and it starts, I think, in another week or so. But if you go online, you can watch the first episode without commercials. It's, it's like, it's like to, uh, to get everybody interested in the show. And, and I'm not here to promote the show. I really don't know what it's going to be like. But I did watch the first half of the first show online. Uh, not that I got bored. I just ran out of time. So uh, yeah, I, I thought it was a pretty interesting story. But the man, a guy has this his phone, and he's got his Facebook, and God gives him a friend request. And the only thing he does is he recommends, you know, you can recommend other friends. And so he recommends another person to be a friend, and not, no more. And so through situations, this guy who got the friend request from God 
bumps into the person who God wanted him to friend and, and somehow inputs, saves, or, or transforms, or, or in some way impacts this person's life. But I thought it was kind of neat to, to think of this as God in his pursuit of us. It's, it's, it's God friending me. It's like I got my Facebook and he said, I want to be your friend. I want to be in relationship with you. I don't want you to do what Adam did and Eve did when they sin came up. What did they do? They hid from God. God wants to be our friend. He doesn't want us to hide from us. God's calling and going after us even when we run away. God pursues us, and he started pursuing man as soon as that ark landed. He said, I'm not going to do this again. I, I will not wipe out the earth by a flood. He said, I'm going I'm to put that promise there. You can count on it. I'm going to put it up there in the sky. And then he says to Abraham, I'm going to bless you so that I can go out and I can bless the world. I'm going to reach out to everybody. I want to be, I want to friend them, even though they might run away, even though they might turn their back on me. There's a pop singer by the name of Haley Williams. I don't know if you know Haley Williams or not. Um, she's the lead singer of a group called Paramore. She's a, she's a Christian, uh, but she's also been very upfront about her struggles with mental illness and depression. And so she's had a lot of interesting things to say over the last years. And uh, one quote that she had, listen to this quote. She said, I, she said, it's sad when friends become enemies. It's sad when friends become enemies. But what's even worse is when they become strangers. It's sad when friends become enemies. It's even worse when they become strangers. You probably know what that's like. Somebody that you cared for, somebody you loved, and, and now they're just out of your life. When Adam and Eve were sent from the garden, when man sinned, we became these strangers because we were hiding ourselves. We were ashamed of our sin. We couldn't face a holy God. And God says, I don't want to be a stranger. <laughs> I want to be your friend. I want to friend you. And he's been chasing us for the rest of this book after that first few chapters. God, God says, I want to be in relationship with you. I want to love you. I want to, and, I, and I'm going to do it by this way. I'm going to do it through covenant. I'm going to make covenants. I'm going to require and ask covenants of you so that we can be in relationship with each other. These covenants will define our relationship. And with, that, with, with Abraham, he says, here it is. You go, I'll take care of the rest. <laughs> Just do it, Abraham. Just do it. Just do it. God reaches out to Abraham. And that defines the relationship going forward. Now, fast forward. 600 or so years later, we see this written to Moses in Exodus chapter 6. God says this, I've heard the groanings of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. He remembered his covenant. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to a land I swore with uplifted hands to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession, because I am the Lord. 600 or so years later, still God is faithful. Still God is pursuing. He has been building this nation in Egypt because Joseph went there. Remember that? Joseph went there. They built a nation while they were there for 400 years. 
And now God calls him out. He says, I remember, I remember the covenant that I made with Abraham. And I am here to build this nation so that we can have this relationship. This is so different than what the Egyptians or, or other those in the Far East at that time, in the ancient Far East, would have been used to. Their, their, their view of, of mythology or of gods and religion was that the gods were up there and they were controlling things. They were, they were evil. They were, they were powerful and they would, they would be, there would be no interaction between man and God other than if they wanted to punish him or play with him a little bit, you know, just, just to torture him. The gods were up there and man was beneath them and were not worth interacting with. But here's God, the God, the creator God, the God who created us in his own image. He says, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to have a relationship with you. And let's do it. And so just like Moses, he says, just like he did Abraham, let's just do it, Moses. Let's do it. Let's do this. Let's, let's, let's enter into this relationship. Let's go forward with it so that I can be your God and you can be my people. God is keeping his covenant because here's, here's something that's really important. God is more, much more than just a covenant maker. God's a covenant keeper. God's a covenant keeper. In fact, remember this. Remember this. A covenant is only as good as the one or the ones creating it. A, cre- a covenant is only as good as the word and the promises of the one or ones who've entered into it. And God will keep his promises. God is faithful to his word. And when God says, I'm not going to destroy the earth again, through a flood, you can count on it. When God says, Abraham, you go, and I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to curse those who curse you. And I'm going to bless the world through you. You can count on it. And when God shows up to Moses, says, Moses, let's go. And let's, let's get these people out of here. Let's start to build this nation so that, that you really can be my people and I can be your God. You can count on it. God will not go back on his word. God is not untrustworthy. He is the most trustworthy we can know. It's not always in our timing. In fact, in, in Peter, in his second letter, uh, chapter 3, verse 9, he says this, the Lord is not slow to keeping his promise. As some understand slowness. <laughs> How do you understand slowness? Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. From Abraham to Moses was somewhere around 600 years, but God continued to build and work on his relationship with his people. To bless the family of Abraham and to eventually bless the world through him. It wasn't much longer after that when the Israelite people came out of Egypt And God, again, entered into a covenant. He said, if we're going to be a nation now, if we're going to be a people, if you're going to be my people and I'm going to bless the world through you, we have to have an understanding of how we relate. And so he gives more covenants. And probably the most well-known comes right out of Exodus chapter 20. God says, here's what I'm expecting of you. You know what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to give you land. I'm going to do everything for you that you need. But I need some things from you. I want some things from you. And he says this 
And we got to start to learn about God. We start to learn what God values. We start to learn his heart. We start to learn what he's expecting of us based on his character. In fact, anytime you enter into a covenant or a covenant is made where it's between you and a higher power, what we learn about is that higher power. We learn about that greater authority by the covenants they make. And God is saying here, here's what I expect. I expect you have no other gods before me. I expect you should make, not make idols. I expect you should not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. I expect that you should remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Honor your mother and father. I expect you should not murder. You should not commit adultery. You should not steal. You should not bear false witness against your neighbor. You should not covet. And we begin to learn what God values. What does God value? God values fidelity. God values that, that he is honored first and only. God values purity. God values rest and consecration. God values honor. God values life. God values honesty, integrity, trust. And he goes on with many, many more covenants, covenants of, of how we should live and how they should treat their slaves and how they should treat their spouses, how they should treat their families, how they should treat their brothers and sisters in community, how they should worship. And he said, this is the way we are going to relate and he gives them the rules and the regulations. And you know how that goes when you get a bunch of rules and regulations. Sometimes they can feel burdens, like burdens. And like that, folks struggled. They struggled. Like we would struggle. But in the end, when it comes to the covenants, remember this, obedience equals relationships. Obedience equals relationships. God is calling us into a relationship with him. God is calling us into, to, to walk with him in this journey that we are going through in life. Just like he called them. And he says, obey me and all of this is yours. You know, Abraham and Moses, they could have said no. They could have disobeyed. They, they had a choice, right? But today, instead of celebrating Abraham and Moses, we'd be celebrating some guy called Joe and LeBron or something like that. I don't know. Just names. You know, some other people. Because God is saying, come join me in this relationship. Come join me. I'm gonna, God's going to accomplish it. We already said God's faithful. God will accomplish what he needs to do. Are you with him? Are we with him? It can be difficult. It can be difficult. We struggle with that. We struggle in obedience, we struggle just like the Israelites did in maintaining this relationship. And then we hide from God in fear. We hide from God in shame. We hide from God in embarrassment because we've fallen short. In fact, the Bible tells us all have sinned and we all fall short. And we do it time and time again, even though God has said, enter this covenant with me. That's why that's why about 600 years after that, after 600 years after Moses, a prophet came along. His name was Ezekiel. And Ezekiel wrote this. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant and we would too. Though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. 
This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds. I will write it in their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. God never stops pursuing. He started 1,200 years earlier with Abraham, pursuing. He continued to pursue through Moses, because he wants a relationship with his people. Not because he needs it. God's fulfilled. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit have nothing that we need. Or that we have nothing that they need. We have nothing they need. But he knows we need that relationship with him. Desperately. Desperately. And so he pursues us. And he keeps pursuing. And he pursues through 600 more years of the law and trying to live that out. And then he had 600 more years as we try to figure out how we can be in this relationship with God that he wants with us. God never stops pursuing. You are valuable because you're created in God's image. God's not a quitter. He's faithful. And he hasn't given up on you. He hasn't given up on you. Have you given up on God? I imagine this morning there might be some here that said, I've, you know, the way my life's gone, I'm, I'm giving up. I'm done. But if God hasn't given up on you, don't give up on him. 600 years after Ezekiel, somewhere in that time, the writer of the Hebrews said this, Jesus is the mediator of this new covenant. This mediator is someone who steps in, who, who makes things right. And he did that. We're going to hear a lot more about that next week. But as we, stay, as, we, as we this morning close, I just want to say, have you given up on God? He hasn't given up on you. He's pursuing you. He's pursuing you. If, if you say, well, I, I'd given up and that I came back, but I'm still kind of wondering, God's still pursuing you and he hasn't given up on you. Don't give up on him. Don't give up on him. Let's pray. Father, this morning we are in awesome wonder of your creation, of your love, of your mercy, and of your wild pursuit of mankind. Help us now, Lord, as we consider your love for us, your steadfast, unchanging, forever love. And Lord, help us to look at you and see that love on each one of us individually. You love me, and you pursued me, and you pursue me and each one here. We thank you. Amen. Would you stand with us and let's sing together this remembrance of God's faithfulness to us. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. And I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never fail. Your
promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never fail me yet. Father, uh, we come this morning confessing that we, like those that have gone before us for thousands of years, struggle to keep the covenant, the, the rules and the regulations. But yet, Lord, you continue to pursue us. You continue to love us. You continue to reach out. No matter where we go, Lord, wherever we go, you are there. Lord, we thank you for Jesus and the new covenant pray, Lord, that before we check out, before we dismiss you, before we reject you, before, Lord, we, we give up on you, Lord, that we would seek this good news through Jesus Christ. Lord, we, we thank you for your mercies to us. Lord, we thank you for your mercies on not just us, but, Lord, those... Um, in our country today and some, Lord, that are suffering through some very, very difficult circumstances and weather and, Lord, those who have lost life and, Lord, those who are stranded and, Lord, those who are suffering emergencies, we, we pray that you would be with them this morning, Lord, that you would watch over, Lord, you would be with the first responders and those who are caring for them. Lord, help us to know where we can help. Lord, help us to... Show Jesus to those we love. Lord, be with us and those that are near to our hearts, those that are running from you, those, Lord, that are hightailing it out of here. But, Lord, you are chasing them. And Lord, I pray that you would, Lord, that they would stop and see you. Lord, those that we've been praying about for years, some of our hearts, 
Lord, may you reach out. Lord, may they be responsive. And Father, may we be responsive to your word, your call to us. Lord, may we live in obedience as we seek to have that relationship with you that honors and pleases and brings glory to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. It's his name we pray. Amen. As you go this week, um, consider those thoughts. Are you, uh, are you running away from God? Are you hiding? If you want to come and talk with Pastor Eric and I, we'd be glad to do that today. I encourage you to come back next week as we hear that great story of this new covenant in him. Also encourage you as you go, if you haven't done anything yet related to our Hispanic Pastors Conference, that's coming up in three weeks, three weeks. And we still have volunteer positions. We need, we need some people to help watch children. We need some people to help with just uh, serve food and do other things like that. And we need housing. Uh, we're, we're, the, the, the registrations keep going up. We're over 200 now uh, coming. So we're looking forward to that. But we need, uh, they're coming from all over the, the South America, Central America, and all over the U.S. Uh, Pam Tom is out at the table out here today. And she'll be glad to talk with you and see how you can help in that. And then those two is during this time in September here, um, we're receiving our offerings and tithes back at the back. There are uh, boxes at each, at each exit. So I encourage you to give. Thank you so much for your support of Friends Church. We are so appreciative of all that you do to help us in ministry and go this week and continue to serve, continue to share, continue to love people show them that good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Go in peace. You're dismissed.